Welcome to PJ's Torah Corner. Today is the 25th of Cheshvan, so we are exactly a month away from Hanukkah, the one holiday we can't agree how to spell. In other news, today we're going over the weekly Chumash, meaning the weekly portion of the five books of Moses with my friend MC. We're also going to mention Rashi, the foremost commentator on the Torah, and his explanation of some parts of this Torah portion. Before we jump into it, here are some Hebrew names people mention in this Torah portion who you may already be familiar with. Avraham, who is Abraham, Sarah, who is Sarah, Yitzchak, who is Isaac, Rivka, who is Rebecca, and Yishmael, who is Ishmael. So sit back, relax, and learn something. Take it away, MC. Thank you, PJ. This week's Parsha is Chaye Sarah, literally translating to the life of Sarah. Last week's Parsha had concluded with Akedas Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac, with Avraham succeeding in his final and most difficult test. This week's portion begins with Sarah, Avraham's wife, passing away. Um, the immediate juxtaposition after the binding of Isaac means that uh, Rashi says, tells us that Sarah passed away after hearing that her son had nearly been offered up as a sacrifice. Sarah lives up for lives to the age of 127, which the verse lists separately in units of 100 years, 20 years, and seven years. Uh, the repetition of years is meant means to tell us about the level of perfection that Sarah had achieved in her lifetime. That at 100 she was as free of sin as somebody at the age of 20. At the age of 20 she was as free of any physical blemishes as someone at the age of seven. Abraham returns to Hebron to mourn and to eulogize his wife. Uh, the local people of the city, known as the children of Ches, come to pay their respects. Avraham indicates that he wishes to buy a burial plot from them. Uh, in particular, he wishes to buy the cave of Machpelah, which is a cave situated on the, the, the land of Ephron the Hittite. Uh, this language, Machpelah, comes from the word meaning double. So uh, Ephron wishes to give the land to Avraham as a gift, but Avraham insists on paying the full price. So Avraham buys the land from Ephron for 400 silver shekels and buries his wife there. At this point, the Torah tells us that Avraham was old, advanced in age, meaning literally that he came into his years the way it says it, and that God has blessed him with everything. Uh, Rashi tells us this, world, this word, bakol, with everything, is the same numerical value as the word son, bed. Uh, this means to say that with Abraham's son, Yitzchak, all the blessings that God had blessed Abraham with had now finally come to their culmination. Uh, now that Abraham had a son, he wished to find Yitzchak a wife. Uh, Abraham charges his most trusted servant, Eliezer, to, to, to do this task. He makes Eliezer swear that he will not take Yitzchak a wife from the local women of Canaan, but that he will return to Abraham's homeland where his where his where his brother is living, to find a wife for him there. Uh, he also insists that Yitzchak will not leave the borders of the land of Canaan, but that his wife will come to him. Eliezer leaves for the land of Aram Naharayim uh, with camels and a deed that Avraham draws up, indicating that, he, that Yitzchak is his heir and bequeathing him all of his wealth. Uh, miraculously, Eliezer's journey is shortened, though he, that he arrives at, in Aram that evening. Uh, he sets his camels outside the city by the well, and he prays to God that he should be able to find a worthy wife for his master's son. He asks for a sign from God that, any, that a woman that he asks for water to drink, she will give him water as well as give water to all of his camels. And that will be the sign that she is worthy to marry Yitzchak. Before he even finishes praying, 
Rivka, the daughter of Besuel, who is the son of Nahor, Abraham's brother, comes out to draw water carrying a jug. Eliezer approaches her, asking her for water to drink, and she gives him the drink and then immediately rushes to give water to the camels as well. Eliezer knows at that point that his prayer has been answered, and he gives Rivka a variety of gold jewelry. Uh, he then asks her to confirm who her parents are, and once she confirms this, he knows that this is this is the right this is the right person, and he thanks God. Uh, Rivka invites Eliezer and the men with him back to her parents' house. Uh, when Rivka's brother Lavan sees sees her jewelry, he understands that the men who have come have a lot of money, and he rushes to attend to their needs, hoping that he could get something out of it. Uh, he attends to the camels and to his guests. Um, Eliezer, however, refuses to have anything to eat until he explains why he's there, and he proceeds to recount the entire story of his mission and what led him up until this point. He asks uh, Rivka's family that she be allowed to come back to Canaan to marry Yitzchak. Um, Lavan and Besuel, uh, Rivka's brother and father, uh, acknowledge that this is an act of divine providence and that there's nothing they can do to stop it. Uh, Eliezer then immediately thanks God upon hearing the joyous news that, this, that the wedding is going to happen. Uh, Rivka agrees to come back with him. Um, Besuel tries to stop the marriage. He's not mentioned in, explicitly, but the, the Rashi tells us that he tries to interfere and he, he dies as a result. Um, Lavan and Rivka's mother tried to delay her, saying that hoping that she could stay another year to ten, or 10 months, but Rivka insists on coming right then, even if they disagree with her. Uh, Yitzchak, meanwhile, goes out in the, the, the afternoon to pray in the field. Um, Rashi, uh, there's an opinion in the Talmud that this is the source for Mincha, the afternoon prayer. Uh, Yitzchak then sees Eliezer returning with Rivka. Uh, Rivka is so amazed by Yitzchak's majestic appearance that she gets off of her camel. Once uh, she learns that this is her future husband, she also covers herself with a veil. Uh, Yitzchak brings Rivka back home and marries her. And, she is, and thus he is comforted by the death of his mother. Rashi also points out that there are a number of miracles that occurred while Sarah was alive that had stopped after her death. But after Rivka came into the house, these miracles started up again. Sometime later, Avraham remarries, marrying a woman named Keturah. The rabbis tell us that this was actually Hagar, who had renounced her ways of idolatry and had returned and reconciled with Avraham. Uh, they, have another, they have six children. However, Avraham designates Yitzchak as his sole heir, and he sends uh, his other children to the east with gifts so that they can start their own respective nations. Avraham lives to the ripe old age of 175. Uh, the Torah lists his years just like they did with Sarah, indicating that at the age of 100, he was as vigorous as he was at 70. At the age of 70, he was as free as sin as somebody who would be at the age of five. Um, Yitzchak, uh, so Yitzchak and Yishmael, who had repented from his ways of idolatry, uh, go, uh, joined together to bury their father in Machpelah next to Sarah. Uh, Yitzchak then returns to the south to settle there. Uh, the Parsha then ends with the, the, describing the, the descent, of, descent of Yishmael, of the 12 princes that descend from him. And it, and it, and, and it, just, and it lists that Yishmael lives to a ripe old age and then passes away. And that's the end of the question. Question time. All right. First one. MC, why did Avraham ask Eliezer to go find Yitzhak a wife instead of going himself? Huh. That's a good question. Honestly, I'm not sure. Um, I think there's this, I think perhaps that 
there there I guess Avraham didn't want to leave the land. I, that would be my guess. Because I mean, I mean, for sure he didn't want Yitzchak to leave. The, the whole idea was that Yitzchak needed to stay in the land. But I guess perhaps the, the same thing applied to Avraham. That Avraham needed to. He didn't want to leave. Uh, yeah, oh, I, I remember there's, there's something specific about all of the Avos wanting or feeling a need to stay in the land. Not really right. sure why that is, but aside, not really sure why that is specifically for, for all of them, but I, I think there's something with all of them like that, like about what was it? Like even, even Yaakov uh, later on, like isn't, isn't there like some, he, like when he leaves to go to Egypt, isn't there, didn't, do you have a doubt? What was it? There was something with it, right? About a leaving. doubt? There was something about Yaakov leaving the land. Like that so it wasn't... Yaakov... Yeah, go ahead. Right, so Yaakov had to leave the land for some time. I believe he was, he, he went to Haran, to Aram, to that same place um, that Eliezer went. He went for about, I think, a total of, I forgot how many years. But he, spend, he spends a good amount of time there because that's where he, also where he finds his, his, his wife. Right. Um, but... There's, I, I I guess with with Yaakov he was specifically also he had to he had to go there that was part of his that was part of his mission, and with I mean I guess with Avraham as well there were times where Avraham had to leave where he had to go down to Egypt and was he and that was specifically intended to be that way, but. Uh-huh. I guess any other reason to leave the to leave would be I guess. I can't really say for sure, but it would probably be, it would be like I guess deleterious. It would be it'd be harmful to that to 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 their 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 mission, their service. I can't oh. really say for sure. Interesting. Okay. Um, I remember there there was one other thing that comes to mind. Doesn't Rashi say in his like first or second comment back way back at the beginning of Flemish, um, like at the very beginning. His first or second comment is about how Sefer Bereshis is a is part of Torah in order that people can recognize that the land of Israel is the Jewish heritage, right? Yes, I if I recall correctly, there is something about that. Oh, so there there is uh, like rolling with that, like <laughs> in order to establish that the Alvos had to be in the land. Yeah, so, yeah. It seemed there may have been a preference theirs in order to like to to only leave where absolutely necessary for that sake. I guess so. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Let's see. Oh, and let's see. Okay, didn't you say that Lavan and Besuel admit the wedding of Yitzchak and Rivka as one of divine providence, and there's, and there's nothing they can do to stop it. Mm-hmm. And yet, once Rivka agrees to come back with Eliezer, Basuel dies because he tries to stop it. So, what what happened? It it is sort of odd. I'm I'm not really sure. The the we we see we 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 see that this is the case. It never outright says what happens to Basuel, but we see that the day before it mentions Basuel, but then the day after when they're leaving, there's absolutely no mention of Basuel at all, just of just of Lavan and Rivka's mother. Um, but it is really strange that like 
it seems like they were they were totally they were totally fine with them. They acknowledge that there that this had to happen. Yet they they still try to try to try to prevent it. It really is very strange. I mean, mm. I, I can't say for sure. It's a very very interesting thing that happens. Yeah, it really seems that way. Let's see. Okay, and oh, so you said Eliezer asks Rivka who her parents are, and by the answer knows she is the one. So how could that be if Avraham told Eliezer to find the wife from the area of Avraham's brother Nahor? Um, could you could you clarify? Well, because if Rivka, when Rivka told Eliezer who her parents are, mm -hmm. Eliezer wouldn't hear the name Nahor. Hmm. I guess he. Hmm. I guess I guess, I don't. I, hmm. Does she actually? What does she? Act, let me see what she actually says. Let me just confirm that. Um, let's see. Perhaps back then, even uh, you know, like people people said this person, the son of this person, that kind of thing. That would. Yeah. Um. That would I I guess so. I mean Oh no, she does actually say outright that she is the daughter of Basuel, who is the son of Milka, who she bore to Nahor. So she does explicitly say that she is descended from Nahor. Oh, okay, that, that resolves it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks for your time, MC. Thank you. This has been PJ's Torah Corner. Have a great rest of your day. Bye.